Hello and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. So, Lauren Diefenbach in the room? I, I had to make it bigger. Oh, I, I know it's not nearly as pretty. I don't know who did it. Did you do it? It was you? Okay, Diane did it. She honestly admits that yours is better, but hers is bigger. Because I had a couple people that were watching online so they couldn't see it, so I wanted to make it a little bigger. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Has anybody described to you, Jason, what's on the... Board en uh, enough? Uh, we can, we can okay, I'm going to do it really quick. So on the, uh, if you could picture your life as a circle, yeah. and inside the circle, the center of the circle is the person of Jesus. He's like our center. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But that also represents like the solid rock yeah. on which our lives were originally created to be built on. Okay? Yeah. And then there's a really pretty house built on the rock. Can you picture a house built on the rock? Oh, yeah. yeah, right? It has its foundation right on that inner circle, yeah. and his name is? Jesus. Right. But then in our lives, if we don't build on Jesus, we also, like we have these other layers to our life that kind of cover over who Jesus was originally intending us to be. And so we have childhood stuff. I think you remember some of that. So on the picture are these layers drawn around the circle of Jesus, like childhood stuff, teenage stuff. Oh, sorry. Father-mother is actually the beginning, but then childhood, teenage. And then we have adult decisions and beliefs. And then on the top, we have social influences, stuff we hear in TV, movies, social media, that kind of thing. You with me? And that, that house that's built on Jesus cuts through all of that stuff that we built without him and goes right to the center of who we are, the person of Jesus. And, and wisdom builds its house on the rock who is Jesus. You got that in your head? Good. All right, so that's what's on the board here. And this was built on wisdom being, anybody remember what the first F was? job, Jason. Wisdom is foundational. And uh, I, got, I got one or two questions throughout the week on this because um, it's a little scary to talk about tearing something down to start over again. How many people like to tear things down and start over? Anybody? Okay, we got one guy over there that likes to. Thank you, Grant. That's, have you ever noticed, have you ever built something with a kid and the favorite thing to do is what? Knock it down. I don't know what it is that's so cool about that. They love to knock it down. And so with kids, it is way easier to knock something down. But us adults, it is not easy to knock something down that we've built. Amen? But wisdom, oftentimes, especially if foolishness built the house, or if our house was built on one of these other things that Jesus wasn't the foundation of, wisdom comes and says, I can't work with that. Wisdom is foundational. Wisdom says, let's start fresh. And if, you're, if you have uh, several decades 
already behind you. With each successive decade, the idea of starting fresh becomes less and less appealing. Anyone else? Yeah. Like, hey, dude, look, I don't got a lot of time left. The idea of starting over does not sound appealing to me. Can we work with what I got here? And oftentimes, wisdom says, probably not. But if you want to live in a house that's shaky and the big bad wolf can come along at any point in time and blow it down, and then you're going to have to rebuild. The problem is, will you rebuild on a solid rock or you build on past stuff? Okay. And so I want to, you know, but the question I got was actually a really good question. Like, what happens if it's a circumstance where you can't tear it down? Like, you're at a place where you can't tear it down. And so I started thinking through some examples of, okay, what are some things you can't tear down completely, but you can still start new with? And I think a great example is marriage. Now, unfortunately, we have this huge caveat in our society called divorce. And for a lot of people, a lot of couples, it's just easier divorce and start with a fresh person. Now, I've, I'm friends with a lot of people who have been through divorce and their second or even third marriage or whatever, and some of them are really happy and some of them have brought the very same stuff from their first one into the second one because there was not proper healing and there wasn't proper building on the foundation. And so when I was talking with this person, I said, you know, you can start fresh in your marriage. Has anybody ever done that? In fact, I can look at a couple couples in this room, and I know you have. A couple couples. I know you have started fresh. You didn't have to start with a new person. You could actually look at this person and say, Jesus, show them to me fresh. Has anybody ever done that with the Lord? Has anybody ever said, show me my wife or show me my husband as if it's the first time? You can do that. And if you are disciplined, and if probably you probably need some other people to help you with this, I think it is absolutely possible to say, let's start new. Like, do you guys need help? Like the two of you? <laughs> now, this is an example. You guys could start fresh. It's going to be okay. Yeah, okay. All right, anyway, this is a really nice example of this. And so, but there is a way that you can start fresh with the same thing. Like, I don't know if you know, but we did this in 2011 here at World Harvest. I came back from a missions trip to Ukraine, my very first time to Ukraine. I had an experience with the Father. Those of you that were here knew the story. I've probably told the story a dozen times or more. I had an experience with the Father that changed my life forever. I got born again again. But we also had this church that we had been building for the last 13, 14 years prior to that. But I knew as a result of my encounter with the Father that there were some things that we had established here that needed to be, like literally, we needed to start again. And so what we started doing in April of that year, I just said, you know what? One of the first things I'm noticing is that Jesus, the person of Jesus, is not the most important person in the room. We talk about him, but we don't center our activity, our focus, all of that. It, had to, it, it got to the point where the foundation or the center or the focus of the church was on the person holding the microphone or the person with the title. I felt really convicted, and I decided it was time to repent. And the best way to repent was to start fresh. And so what we did for the next four months 
April, May, June, and July. I can remember in July when we finally started doing it again. For the next four months, we did not speak, like we did not teach or preach. We only worshiped for two plus hours every Sunday for four months. And the, and the goal was to recenter and start fresh on the person of Jesus. And from that moment on, and I still believe we're living on that foundation today, the church has been established on Jesus being the most important person. He literally is the rock. Don't get me wrong, we're human. We've gone off on our own little rabbit trails. But I feel like this is an established foundation and truth, reality that we've done here. But we didn't have to like tear down the church. We didn't have to change the name. We didn't have to do all, like, I've seen people do that. If, you, if, that, if that's on your heart to do and the Lord convicts you of that, do it. But there's also ways to start fresh. So I want you to know that wisdom can do that. But you almost have to be willing to surrender it all. And so I don't know how many of you were here during that time, but you also remember we probably lost 100 more people. And that was the sacrifice that we decided we had to make in order to reestablish some things that I felt were really important. And so there's great sacrifice when wisdom is followed, okay? So I wanted, if that wasn't on anybody else's mind, I wanted to kind of address that, that you can start fresh inside, but you've got to let go of everything. I mean that. All of these things feel so familiar that it can almost feel like the Lord. Connections to what you experienced with mom and dad, good or bad. Connections to what you heard or experienced as a child or a young adult can feel so familiar, so powerful, have such an impact on your life that it literally feels like home to you, but it's not Jesus. You got me so far? But there are moments, and on the previous one, there were these little green lines that in each one of these layers that have been built, there were these veins of the Lord. And so when you tear it down, you also have to find the Lord. So I remember when we did this in 2011, there were also things I identified from the first 13 years of our time with the Lord at World Harvest. This is important. This is the Lord, and we're not going to lose it. So it's also important to do that in your destruction or deconstruction process. Don't lose the Lord in deconstruction like we talked about at the end of last year. Amen? Okay, so wisdom is foundational. Wisdom goes all the way back to Jesus and says, let's build from here. Is that good? Okay, so the next one now, we're moving forward. Wisdom is forward, okay? I'm a good pastor, and I have things that you can remember easily, so... The next F word is forward. <laughs> Get your chuckles out. Because sometimes wisdom does make you say another F word. It does. In fact, you know you're hearing wisdom when it makes you want to. I mean that. Like if you are, if you're bold and you are brave and you literally turn and ask for wisdom, it will make you go, because you'll realize how much of your life has foolishness in it. And it is really hard to face wisdom, but it is the most important thing, I think, that you can do, is turn to wisdom. And wisdom, don't forget, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God, okay? So we're turning to wisdom. Okay, so I want you to think about this now. Jesus is still rock, Wisdom is foundational, and it's built on the person of Jesus. 
And I do a lot of building. Uh, that's a lot of what my life is now from, the, from my vocation now. And I am always thinking from the bottom up whenever we build something, okay? So especially in additions or things that you're adding on to existing houses or foundations, you're always looking for the strongest point. And you attach at the strongest point. And if you don't have a strong point, then you have to create a strong point. So wisdom is foundational, but wisdom also looks for strong points to attach to because, and this is really important, wisdom is always thinking about what is going to be built on top. This is really important. Wisdom will always guide you to be thinking about what's next. If you constantly have in your mindset what happened versus what's next, fear is more at work than wisdom is. Okay? If you're kind of sitting around idle and you're always thinking about opportunities or you're sitting idle and your mind always tracks to the next thing, wisdom's at work. And here's why. Because you have a solid enough foundation that you can think about what you're going to put on your foundation. Am I making sense to you? Fear will always think about what happened, what went wrong. And it'll always hearken back to something. And as soon as you hearken back to something, especially if it's sourced in fear, the idea of moving forward is the scariest thing in the world. Expansion, growth, progress, do not enter the mind captured by fear. In fact, the mind captured by fear will look around and usually say, I'm good. So I'll just, again, don't forget, Wisdom is going to be doing a lot of sharing last week, this week, and next week. And so you're going to have a lot of these moments where you're like, oh, sh-. okay? So I'm just warning you. If you look around your life and you think, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I can live here for a while. Fear is at work. Don't get me wrong. You can be satisfied. So you can become like content, but never satisfied. Like content, but never Wisdom is at work when you are content with what you have, but you're not satisfied. You always think there's more. Now, you can be tempted by the devil to say, to think there's more, greed's involved. That is not true. Greed says there's more for me. Progress says there's more for the period. You guys with me? Okay? If there's more, period, there's more, and then you can fill in blanks. There's more for Jimmy. There's more for Chris. There's more for future generations. There's more for my wife. There's more for who, I don't even know who they are yet, but I know that if I take that opportunity, someone else is going to benefit. Wisdom is always thinking about who else will benefit from Chris's step of faith. You guys with me? Fear will say, if you take another step, you will lose what you have. Hello? I've had those thoughts. Anybody else? I just want to make sure. Am I in the right room? I have thoughts of fear. Look, temptation is not sin. Acted on temptation is sin. You guys with me? So you can have a thought that has fear. Just don't act on it. Don't make a decision on it. I'll take that thought like we've talked about for years and have it with the Lord. Have that thought with the Lord and say, Lord, is this sourced in love? Is this sourced in wisdom? Or is this sourced in fear? You guys with me so far? Okay. So this is really important. I am starting to make a distinction between wisdom and fear. 
because it's really important. I think that's what wisdom does for us. It's, it's, remember how that word understanding means to separate? We talked about that last week. Wisdom and understanding, that's what comes when you seek. Understanding is the ability to separate things, good from evil, life from death, bad from good, okay? Wisdom's able to do that. So wisdom, okay, so wisdom is forward. Wisdom looks back only long enough to find the Lord. I want to make that statement. Wisdom looks back into the past long enough to find the Lord. You guys with me on that? Okay. Wisdom says, that was awesome. Let's build on it. I just want you to write, if you're writing notes down, wisdom looks back and its reaction to looking back was that was awesome. Fear looks back and says, don't let that happen again. Wisdom looks into your past, finds the Lord, and says, that was awesome, let's build on that. Fear looks back to the past and says, we cannot let that happen again. That was awful. And we've all had both of those thoughts. We've all had both of those thoughts where we're like, that was such a fun time, let's make sure that happens again. And then we've also had thoughts of, oh my gosh, I hope that never happens again. I've had both of those thoughts, and I know you have too, Okay. You know wisdom's at work when it looks back. I mean, when I say look back, it means look back on the past. Look, whether it's last week or 20 years ago, wisdom is constantly looking back to find the Lord. In the Old Testament, so many are encouraged to remember the stories of the Lord, okay? So you have fathers and grandfathers turning and saying, hey, kids, grandkids, come here. I got to tell you stories about what God has done. And that's why you see them constantly referring back in the Psalms and even in different times throughout the prophets to when Moses was a part of delivering the children out of Egypt. How many times is that repeated through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament? There's constant reminders back to when God did this, when God said this, when God delivered us from this, when God showed up and spoke, right? Wisdom is at work when you look back and remember the Lord and say, I'm building right there. So wisdom, remember how we had, oh, there's the green, we'll just do it right now. Wisdom is able to connect these dots in each one of these categories, tie it back to Jesus and say, and then believe it or not, I'm going to completely mess this up. We're going to build houses right there. Okay? The way I look at our lives is we all have little houses inside a big house. I don't think it's just one big house. We call it rooms, whatever you want. Jesus said, my father's house has many, you know, many mansions, many rooms, many houses, whatever it is. I think your life is the same way. And if you're wise, you will look for each one of those moments and build a house there. Build a memorial there. And you can go visit it anytime you want, and it's a good place to visit. Amen? Okay, so again, I'm going to say this again just for repetition. Wisdom looks back through love to find the Lord. And wisdom, when he finds the Lord, says, that was awesome, let's build on this. Fear, which I think leads to foolishness, which leads to reactions, looks back and says, this will not happen again. And fear will deceive you as sounding wise because it sounds like it's trying to protect you, okay? 
When something bad takes place, it is wise and smart to think, let's not let that happen again. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, I don't want bad things to continue happening in any one of our lives, okay? But here's the problem. If fear is the foundation, fear becomes the focus, whatever you're afraid of, you're fixed on, has anybody ever fixed your eyes on something and not driven right toward it? I remember I was, I, my very first thing I did with my Shippensburg University swim team, I joined them in January, and every winter we would drive to Florida to do two weeks of training in Florida. And so my very first experience with Ship University was I jumped in a van with all other swimmers, they had no idea who I was, and we drove 16 hours to Florida. And after two weeks of training, we drove back, and I was one of the drivers on the way back. And we were driving through Virginia on 81. Like, have you, Virginia is gorgeous on 81. You guys, you look off to the left, especially around the Massanutten area and all that, the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains and all of that. In fact, at one point, the coach said, hey, let's just take the Blue Ridge Parkway and let's go up that way for a while. I thought, oh, what a cool idea. It was a beautiful, clear day in January. You could see everywhere. So I'm driving, but we are driving like, 16 hours straight, and I started like looking off to the side. I was starting to get a little tired, and I would look off to the side, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, guys, isn't that beautiful? And as soon as I did that, I took the whole van right with me, and literally half the van is off the road. And, you know, I mean, it's not like the Pacific Coast Highway where you literally need to stay on the road or you could go into the ocean, but it wasn't that far off of that. And the guy that was uh, in the passenger seat next to me grabbed the wheel, pulled it back and got me back on the road. And he says, your scenic view is right in front of you. <laughs> and I, I'll never forget that story. That constantly is a reminder to me, keep your eyes on the road. Keep your eyes fixed. What fear will do, it will take our eyes off of the path of life and remind us of what went terribly wrong. And when you take your eyes off of the path of life and constantly are reminded of what went wrong, you will repeat that. You can't help it. It might look like a different version of that, but it gets repeated. That's where the phrase comes, history repeats itself. It's because we constantly are thinking back to what went wrong. It's a, if you ask me, it's a fallen human condition. The original human condition is to look back and find him. But the fallen human condition is to look back and to think about, man, that sucked. Man, that was awful. And then we build lives on that. It becomes our identity. How many of us, you don't even raise your hands, have an identity based on something that happened in your life that was not good? A lot of us do. You don't want to admit it, but in your heart of hearts you realize who I am today probably has a lot to do with what went wrong. It doesn't have to be that way going forward. Wisdom actually says, let's not build our lives there, okay? You know, and it sounds wise to want to protect yourself from bad things happening, but like we talked about, what you focus on is often what's manifested. Here's what I love about wisdom. When wisdom causes us to look back, we look back at the Lord and we see him and our eyes stay focused. Like, I, there is this spiritual ability to keep looking forward while you look back, if you're looking for the Lord. Like it's this ability, almost like you have eyes in the back of your head. OK? 
okay? This is the only time where it's good to have eyes in the back of your head because as you're looking forward, your eyes are fixed on the Lord and you're able to look back. Because you're looking back for the same thing you're looking at going forward, you guys with me? You're able to stay fixed. You don't get off the road and some pastor doesn't have to grab the wheel and get you back on the road. Wisdom does that. Wisdom is inherently protective. Not because it keeps reminding you of what you did wrong so you don't do it again. Wisdom is inherently protective because it keeps our eyes on the Lord. You guys hear me? It is way safer to keep your eyes on the Lord than to keep your eyes on what you did wrong in the past so you don't do it again. Worldly wisdom will tell you to learn from experience. Spirit wisdom tells you to learn from the Lord. I've I've had it. I've had really smart people, really well-intentioned people to tell me to learn from my mistakes. I would rather learn from the Lord. Will you learn some good things from mistakes? Yes. Will you build the future that God intended for you? Maybe not. You learn from the Lord. So wisdom is foundational and it keeps us looking forward. All right. I sent verses to Chris because I wasn't sure who was on the screens. Do you have them? You do. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. All right, can you all turn there if you have a Bible? If not, just look at the screens, the good little boys and girls. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You guys know this. This is elementary stuff. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set where? Before us. Fixing our eyes where? The author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set where? Where's before him? In front of him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he can sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, let's just go through this bit by bit because I want you to see wisdom at work here. First of all, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12. Wisdom constantly reminds you that incredible people have gone before you making a way for you. You do not have to recreate the wheel. I know you want to be a trailblazer. I know you want to do something that no one else in the world has ever done. Guys, it would be a really good idea to look at least what the path of the wise ones that went before you and say, you know what? I wonder if it's my job just to continue that path. Hello? There are a lot of incredibly wise, important, heaven-valued people that went a certain distance and then their natural life stopped and they literally are looking back saying, who's going to carry this for me? Who's going to continue this for me? And I'm telling you, there is something beautiful about generational transfer. I don't think there's enough of it in the earth. I think there's too many kids who say, I'm going to be better than dad, or I'm going to do things so much better and different than mom and dad did it. Instead of looking for the Lord in what mom and dad did, back to the green line, coming out of father and mother, and building there. Wisdom shouts out, there is a great cloud of witness surrounding you, and don't don't forget them. Don't forget what Abraham did. Don't forget what Moses did. Don't forget what David did. David built a tabernacle in the middle of a field and the Lord shows up. Don't forget that. I also hear from this in verse 1 that 
not only are you surrounded by a heavenly great cloud of witnesses, but you're also surrounded by a, a group of people that are still alive on earth that are available and ready for you to ask them something. Wisdom is standing alongside the path of life you're on. Remember how it said it's, it calls out, it yells out. It says, hey, come here. Wisdom. Wise people are surrounding you, and they're cheering, they're cheering you on, but they're also saying, wisdom here. And remember how we talked last week? It's usually just the life that they have built is calling you to say, hey, you might want to come sit with me, have some good coffee, and ask me some questions. Remember how wise people don't necessarily tell you to do exactly what they did. They actually love you enough to consider you and then speak life and wisdom to where you are. That is a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you right now. You are not alone. Wisdom says to you, you're not alone. You're not an orphan. There are a lot of great people in your life that have a lot of great wisdom for you. Ask. Hello? You guys look bored today. You okay? <laughs> Do you guys know all this already? Like this is, this is like, okay, right over your head. Okay, here we go. We'll keep going. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, lay a, let us also lay aside. So number one, we ask people for help. We remember the great ones that have gone before us and continue on with them. But then it also says, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Wisdom lays aside everything that went wrong and the mindsets, mindsets that caused it. Wisdom will come to you and say, that didn't go great, right? And then you have the humility to say, no, that, that, that was terrible. That, that, that was awful. Okay. Let it all go. Let it all go and let's start fresh right here. Right here. 2023, January 15th, we're going to start fresh right here. That is really hard to do because I still have the wounds from the past mistake. Like, they're right here. I'm still bleeding. I'm just now bandaging them up. And wisdom says, does the arm still work? Yeah, it does. A little bit of pain. Okay, move forward. Wisdom is always telling you, dust yourself off, get up. There's more to do. There's more opportunity. Shake it off. Yes, shake it off, okay? Wisdom says it's okay, but you also have to maybe, maybe how you were thinking there, let that go too. I got a new way for you to think. I want to give you a new mind. I want to renew your mind. All right, next one. I'm moving fast, but I got a lot to talk to you about today, and I only have 20 minutes to do it. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the last part of verse one. Wisdom runs. Like, I love that. Wisdom doesn't walk Wisdom doesn't, I don't know what's going on over here. Because the slower you walk, the more you're distracted by stuff that's going on around you. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's bad. Like, the slower you walk, the more you notice crap that you probably shouldn't notice. You need to keep moving forward. I like the language here. Paul says, run the race. That's set. Where? Before you. Run that race. The path is in front of you. Everybody, I just want to declare this over you. The path of life is in front of you, not behind you. There is a path of life waiting for you. I remember this from my Clemmer and Associates days where personal development. The path of life wants you more than you want it. 
It wants you more. There are opportunities in your future that want you more than you want them. They are longing for you to take them. There are people in your future, they don't even know it yet, but they want you so much, but they don't know it until you show up. They're waiting for you forward. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Wisdom keeps our eyes on the Lord like we talked about and what he is doing. He is the author and the perfecter of faith. Faith decides that I am firmly and absolutely convinced that God is good and my next step will be established in his goodness. Wisdom is convinced that that solid rock named Jesus is going to meet my next step. Wisdom knows it. Wisdom's convinced of it. Wisdom says, if I go backwards, I might step on my last mistake, but if I go forward with my eyes fixed on Jesus, my foot will land on him, and each step will land on him also. Forward is where the Lord is. Wisdom even kept Jesus' eyes forward because it says, who for the joy set before him. I love that. Like, Jesus is able to hang on a cross because of something before him. He's looking ahead. He's seeing ahead. I think he's seeing all of us healed. I think he's seeing all of us fully restored, walking in our identity, walking in who he originally created us to be. And he knows that his death on the cross is the purpose. He knows that if I, if I suffer through this, here's the future. Here's what's possible. And so he's able to endure that so that he's going to, create what he sees in the future. Wisdom keeps Jesus' eyes forward, keeps ours forward too. And here's something else I see. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And this is one of the hidden things that people don't talk about with wisdom, but I'm not afraid to tell you this. Wisdom, like we talked about last week, will cost you dearly. Like, like we said, wisdom will sometimes cost you everything you've already built. If you want to follow wisdom, you might have to let some things go that you've really invested a lot of time, energy, identity, money, all those things into. You might need to let it go. Wisdom will often lead you to a cross. A painful cross. Wisdom will take you to a point where you have to lose yourself in order to gain Jesus. I've had people tell me, if you experience pain, you're not with the Lord. I can tell you from personal experience, that is a false statement. You will have blessing in pain, but you will have pain. Part of the walk of the Christian life is taking up your cross daily, every day, and following the Lord. Okay? Jesus knew that the only way to what he saw in the future was through the cross. And it's the same for us. Wisdom will take us to painful decisions. It will take us into a place where we're going to experience some things that worldly wisdom will say, what are you doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there. If you go there, it's going to hurt. And I, want to I think there's a lot of worldly wisdom out there that will actually convince you that pain is bad. And at any cost, avoid pain. That's not the Lord. Some of us need to experience some pain. Some of us are walking in foolishness and worldly wisdom. Oh boy, I hope I can get this right. Worldly wisdom, wisdom not sourced in the Lord, will come 
and teach you how to navigate that maze that Maddie was talking about instead of just knocking down the corn. Remember how she was talking about that in worship? That was a powerful vision. I hope you go. I think she said hack it, right? That's a good word. Hacking the corn. Worldly wisdom will come and teach you how to navigate through foolishness to stay on the path of foolishness. Hey, okay, make, make this little zig and then make this little zag and then we'll duck quick because here comes an arrow. And if you're careful, that arrow was wisdom. And if you would have stayed up, it would have hit you right in the forehead and would have said, stop what you're doing. But worldly wisdom will say, duck, here comes wisdom. And because wisdom is not afraid of pain, worldly wisdom is. I'm going to give you an example of this. And I'm afraid I'm going to sacrifice a very holy cow. Like a sacred holy cow. Because it's in the church and I think it's hurting and it's keeping a lot of people from abundant life. How many people have heard the word boundaries? How many people have boundaries in their lives? You might not want to raise your hand when you're done, when I'm done talking. I'm going to talk to you about boundaries just for a second. I think we as human beings employ boundaries in our lives because we didn't walk with wisdom. I think wisdom is the original boundary of humankind. If you simply walk daily seeking the wisdom of God, building your house on the solid rock, there would be zero need for a boundary like you've heard about it today. And let me just give you my definition of what a boundary is. My definition of a boundary is something I was either taken advantage of of my past or I, I've made a lot of bad choices in the past or I have a, a litany or a history of bad choices in the past. So I'm going to make a boundary. I'm going to make an inner vow. I'm going to make a decision on the inside of my heart. I'm going to establish a wall so that I never walk into that place again. You guys with me? And I think I, maybe not the exact psychological or psychiatric or therapeutic terms, but for the most part, that kind of nails a boundary. Okay. At its core, a boundary needs a bad thing to have happened in order to be established. And anyone I've ever talked to that values boundaries or talks about boundaries, they hearken back to something bad that took place in their past. Okay. Are you with me? So make sure I'm in the right room here. If I'm not explaining it well, I'm willing to explain it differently. But let me just keep going until you raise your hand and say, that I don't really understand that. A boundary harkens back to abuse, for example. Okay? Let's just use abuse as the example because it's a big one. And a lot of people have experienced abuse from mom and dad, from a, an authority figure in their life, even from a spouse. And so they say, that will not happen again in my life. And here's how I'm going to make sure it never happens again. I will not let, and then you'll start establishing a boundary. Okay? Now, I will tell you, that sounds like worldly wisdom. That sounds like wisdom, but it's worldly because its foundation is in a past pain instead of going all the way down to here. Like, I'm not afraid to deal with this because I think people are losing life losing abundant life because they're building a foundation on something terrible that happened in one of these categories, as traumatic and as impacting as it was. And these boundaries make us feel safe. But what they do is they keep us from abundant life. 
I want this to settle in for a second. Wisdom goes past the abuse. Let's just use that example. Wisdom goes past the abuse, not just in time, but also in impact. It goes past the abuse, goes underneath it, and shows us something deeper than that moment in time, than that person's decision. It shows you something deeper than your own weakness in that moment. Because one of the things boundaries does is it says to you, you were stupid in that moment, don't be stupid again. Hello? Yeah. Boundaries say, look, I'm going to help you because you're dumb. Addiction does this a lot too, like AA and things like this. AA will call you forever a what? An alcoholic. You are not forever an alcoholic. That is worldly wisdom convincing you to not touch alcohol again. If you went all the way to the rock, you would reestablish your identity in God the Father. You would be a son of God, so healed and so restored because you're building your life not on an experience of I was a drinker and I was an alcoholic because at that moment, when you say I'm an alcoholic, you stop your history and your building and your foundation is on your last drink. Instead of going past that to who you were originally created to be. Same with the abuse. Same with being a, a, a bad financial manager. So you have these boundaries in your life instead of saying, you know what? Wisdom's better than a boundary. I have way too many people that I love and honor in my life who have established boundaries so they don't make the same mistakes again, so no one else will hurt them again, so this will not happen bad in my life again, and it's keeping them from abundant life. I've talked about this before. Let's say a father really hurt you, and you put a wall up. Well, here's what happens. In your life, oh, father will never hurt me again. So you put a boundary up. <clears throat> here's the problem. Every single human being needs a father. You need them. They are there for you for a reason. <clears throat> they give wisdom. They give seed in the most physical and spiritual sense. Fathers give seed. But if a father hurt you in the past and you put a boundary up and you say a father will never hurt me again, you keep yourself protected from the positive and negative impacts of any future father in your life. And I see this all the time with people I love. In the name of, that will not happen again. Foop. An abundant life can't come. And it happens a lot. We've talked about this before. When one person hurts you, and you put a wall up inside of your heart, and you say, that person will never hurt me again. That wall doesn't just protect you from that one person. That wall protects you from people. And it's a lie of the enemy. And that's why I think like so many of these things that sound good when they're talked about because they keep you from pain are actually sourced in a devious scheme to keep us from abundant life. That wall protects me from pain. You know what? It does. It numbs you and it keeps you from abundant life. But wisdom is not afraid of crosses. Wisdom is not afraid of pain. Wisdom actually says you got to go through that to get to true life. That's what I love about Hebrews chapter 12. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I think crosses are in our lives. Pain is in our lives to knock off some of this stuff. I think when pain comes, it's like this wake-up call. Not too dissimilar from when a child gets a good swat on the bottom. 
Uh, I know I'm in 2023 and we don't talk about spanking children anymore, right? That's just not a thing we talk about. Mark, we have boundaries with raising our children now. We give them long therapeutic timeouts. I don't know, man. Next week, wisdom is eternal or wisdom is forever. There are some things that I think we have forgotten in the name of social accommodation. And one of them is, every once in a while, I think a good swat on the bottom is a reset. Whoa, oh, I, I was in this mindset, and when I was in this mindset, temper tantrums were absolutely acceptable. But then I got reset. Whoa, what am I doing? The cross is sometimes a wake up. Sometimes the pain is a, whoa. Lord says, look around. Do you like where you are? Uh, you know what? This is, you know, it's the cheese it that you just keep throwing in your mouth thinking, oh yeah, this tastes fine, but then you realize there's mold on it and there's lint on it and all that. Remember from last week sitting in the chair? Okay. <laughs> the, the pain is, hey, look around. Do you like this? It's the reset. It's the, oh, I don't know. The path of life is over here, but somehow I got over here and wisdom gives you a cross, comes right back over here. Oh, okay. This is where I'm supposed to be. Okay? But if you're not careful, worldly wisdom will come and it will not allow the pain to come to get you back onto the path of life. You guys with me? I hope this is, I hope you're hearing this. And then the person causing you pain becomes your enemy instead of being someone that's actually, hey, they brought me back to the path of life. Thank you. Like, that is one of the most mature responses to someone who causes you pain, to see the Lord in it, instead of saying, that will never happen again. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to build a fortress so that experience never happens again. Or, whoa, the way I was thinking there is what got me off track. The way I was living my life over there got me there. Or the way they were living their life. Hey, some of you, you're a victim of somebody else's bad choices. That is absolutely legitimate. There are people around you right now not living in wisdom, not building their houses on rocks, and it's impacting you. That's a lesson too. Instead of it just like, oh, poor me, and you start building a life on, oh, poor me, or oh, abused me, or oh, hurt me, instead you say, you know what? That life that's being lived over there, I, that's, that's a great reminder to stay on the path of life. Yeah. Keep my eyes fixed. Instead of putting my eyes on the person that hurt me, I get my eyes back on the Lord. Yeah. Those moments are wake-up calls. They're reset buttons for us. How are we doing? Great. All right. Oh, I got so much more. Mm. 1157. Philippians chapter 3, I just want you to have this in the back of your mind. I want you to read verses 12 through 16. You've heard this before, but I just want to read it to you really quick, and I want you to study this. Not that I've already obtained it, or have already become perfect. That mindset is looking around saying, this is good, but there's more. That's exactly what Paul's saying right here. I've, I'm at a good place. The Lord has saved me. We've built some good things. We're here in 2023, January, but there is so much more. Not that I've already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I, say it with me, press on that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. One thing I do, 
I forget what's lying behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, look at this, God will reveal that also. <laughs> so you get off the path of life, don't worry, God will show up. He'll show up in someone you might not like or someone that'll hurt you. But here's the point, dude, back, back on the path. Get back over here. Wisdom is calling you back. Oh, I got so much more here, but I'm going to save it. I'll end with this. I hope you're hearing that wisdom is forward. Because I actually think these little green lines in the past where Jesus showed up, it's not in the past. I, I don't think... See, if you think about the Lord, you can't think of him spatial. In other words... He doesn't have like a form or a shape. Like you can't think of him as he's sitting in this chair or he has any kind of physical distance or breadth or like he doesn't, he doesn't exist that way. He humbled himself for 33 years into a man just so that we would be able to have an example. But in reality, God is not spatial. God is also not limited to time. So when you think about the Lord, he is not in the past in your childhood. Your mind paints a picture of the Lord in the past. But that person that was there when mother and father were establishing some things in your identity, that still exists right now in this moment. That Jesus is right here, right now, because he doesn't want you to lose that. I hope you hear that. That is so important. The Jesus that showed up in your childhood and gave you that moment, that's as much alive right now as it was back then. That's not in the past. So really the beauty of this thing is when you hearken back to these and build houses, you're not in the past. <laughs> you're still building on the now into the future. That's so powerful. Wisdom has, allows you to look back to find the Lord and realize he's right there just as much as he was when you were six. He's right now here when you were 53 46. and you're 46. Does that make sense to you? That is so powerful. But anything built on what went wrong in the past, it doesn't have a foundation in wisdom. Anything that's built on what went wrong in the past does not have a foundation of wisdom, and it will eventually fall. And as we start 2023, I just want you to know now, you can start fresh. You do not have to start with what went wrong in the past. You can start with what's possible going forward. You really can. Old things have passed away. New things are here. They're here right now, ready for you. This, this moment that you learned something from your mom and dad, that's right here, right now, available to you to live in and to move forward in. As much as the things you haven't seen about the Lord yet are right here, available to move forward in. Anything built on Jesus and what he did, past, present, has a foundation in wisdom and it will stand. And I love you enough to tell you this. Please, please, please spend time to focus on where you have built on the Lord and live there. Build a house there. 
Learn to get comfortable there. At first, it might be uncomfortable because you haven't lived there for a while, because maybe you were so nice living in this thing that hurt you, but it was safe. Come on out. Drill down deeper into the person of Jesus. Live in some of these houses that have a foundation in him. Get used to security. For some of us, we don't even know what it's like to feel stable to feel secure, to feel wanted, to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel like we're successful. You know, those are all supposed to be natural, ongoing thoughts you have. All of those, those were meant to be your home and the decorations of your home. You're incredible. There is so much potential on the inside of you. You have done incredible things. There is so much ahead of you. You are beautiful. That's the house you should be living in. If you have not heard those things, not from other people, in here, then you're living in another house than the house wisdom builds. And I want to encourage you, you can live in an environment where you hear that all the time. It's like a jacuzzi tub at the perfect temperature that's just massaging your everything. And you're just like, this is awesome. But it doesn't get you to the point where you don't want to do anything like some jacuzzi tubs do. Like you get to the point where you're just like, oh, yeah. And a jacuzzi tub. This jacuzzi tub's like, you can actually be moving forward and still be in the jacuzzi tub the whole time. Hello? Yep. You can be. I want this for you. I want your life to be filled with abundance, to be filled with love, to be filled with all of what the human life was meant to be. And you start by building on and with wisdom and then keeping your eyes forward on who he is and what he is doing in your life. Father, I ask right now that that anointing that I feel right now on those words would go past the arguments the sensibilities, even the worldly wisdom that has established itself in our hearts and in our minds. Let that anointing go past into something deeper, something more original on the inside of us. I want to build my house on rock. And I pray that my family does too, that we have the guts, that we have the courage to vacate houses to stop looking at the past and the things that went wrong and decide from here on out, Jesus and I are building partners and we're moving forward. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And my life will be a manifestation of those new things, those beautiful things, those life things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.